Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. You know, as a former wino myself, I am 13 years sober. I can always tell when alcohol is involved in a crime. It's always something bizarre and crazy, usually here in South Florida. You know, among violent crimes, the offender is far more likely to have been drinking than under the influence of other drugs. Alcohol is more likely to be a factor in violence where the attacker and the victim know each other. And that's the case in this podcast. And I'm also going to focus on alcoholism among Native Americans. Here in South Florida, we have several different Indian tribes. We have the Miccosukee and also the Seminole Indians. I spotlighted the Florida Seminoles in episode 31 of my Full Rigor podcast, America's Only Unconquered Tribe. It was around Thanksgiving of last year, if you want to check that one out. According to the U.S. Department of Health, more than 54% of Native Americans use alcohol, which is higher than any other ethnic group, and a quarter of American Indians admit to binge drinking. Now, compared with other racial groups, Native Americans are at a greater risk of suffering from psychological distress, poorer overall health, unmet medical and psychological needs, and many experts propose that the brutality and loss experienced by Native Americans after Europeans colonized the United States led to this historical trauma. And the loss of population, land, culture caused unresolved grief to be transmitted across generations of Native Americans. And it's likely led to the development of negative coping mechanisms, such as drinking. And another reason is that many of these tribes receive money from the federal government as well, without much incentive to go to work. Just stay home and drink. Last year, tribal revenue was about $60 million, and the tribe began with a $1,000 a month payment to each individual in the tribe. Now, if the tribe receives go-ahead for casinos, each member can receive up to $10,000 a month. To qualify for the cash, recipients must be at least one-quarter Seminole blood. The Seminoles were the first tribe to bring extensive gambling to reservation lands in the 1970s, starting with bingo. And now today, the Seminole Tribe reports annual gambling earnings of nearly $2 billion. And the money has helped build schools, houses, fire and police stations, and recreation centers. And a lot of tribal members have gotten wealthy, so they don't want to do common labor. That's according to Mondo Tiger, a Seminole Reservation member and representative for the Big Cypress Reservation near Clewiston. Today, Florida Indians number about 4,400, and most are members of the Seminole or Miccosukee tribes. And they live on reservation lands in Tampa, Immokalee, Hollywood, Fort Pierce, Brighton, and Clewiston. So in addition to not actually wanting to do any manual labor, their diet changed as well, switching from natural foods like garfish, ibis, and deer to KFC, Taco Bell, and McDonald's. So physical changes can be seen in photo collections from the Florida Library System and displays in the tribal museums. Now, before the 1900s, Indians were kind of small in build, muscular, and lean. Even the elders dressed in a little more than loincloths and had physiques of gymnasts. Well, today, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, and other health issues plague the Indian tribes. It's very problematic. The Seminole tribe member Frank Billy Jr. says the old way of life kept people fit, and many lived past 100 years old. Not so today. And in the parasite case of Kirk Douglas Billy, no relation to the Spartacus actor Kirk Douglas, who lived to be 103. That you identify the body or the living person of the slave called Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. Yeah, 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 we get it. You're Spartacus. Just like New Jersey Senator... 
Cory Booker. In fact, Kirk Douglas died this year. But in the case of Kirk Douglas Billy, his two sons didn't even make it past the age of five. Now, before I tell you about this double murder of two young children, I want to lay some groundwork and describe the area where this happened. The Billy Swamp Safari and Big Cypress Seminole Indian Reservation is out west of the Sawgrass Expressway in Broward County. It's just north of 595, and it's 2,200 acres of untamed Florida Everglades. And it's preserved in its pristine state by the Seminole Tribe of Florida. You can go on an airboat ride. You can go on see the aforementioned museums that show the tribal history. Also, you can just go out there and take a family vacation. But while you're on the reservation, the reservation has its own laws. Well, what happened to these two kids actually happened just outside the reservation. And the murder happened on June 26, 1997. Or should I say double murder? Kirk Douglas Billy, he's a Miccosukee Indian, 36 years old, was accused of driving his ex-girlfriend's car into an Everglades canal, this was in 1997, and drowning their two young sons who were asleep in the back. So when the boys drowned, they were strapped in the back of the SUV when Billy drove it into the 13-foot deep Tamiami Canal just outside the reservation. Kurt and Keith drowned in the middle of the night, so it was dark and the water was muddy and murky. The next morning, Billy led police to the Tahoe, claiming he didn't know that his sons were in the back, and he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder. While the Miccosukee tribe cited sovereign nation status under federal law and successfully blocked almost every move by the Miami-Dade County State's Attorney's Office to subpoena critical witnesses from the tribe to testify against Billy. In fact, the dead boy's mother, Sheila Tiger, told prosecutors that she didn't want to testify against Billy, Mr. Billy, as she called him. And prosecutors believe that Ms. Tiger was afraid to act against the tribe's wishes. They detained her as she drove off the reservation and held her in a hotel for three days until she gave a videotaped deposition about the night her sons died. So in 1997, Ms. Tiger told police that Mr. Billy had previously threatened to harm their boys, but she later retracted that statement. And according to court records and police reports, Mr. Billy had a history of arrests for violence on the reservation, including violence against Miss Tiger's mom, who had also declined to talk to prosecutors. Now, at the time of the accident, Billy told police that he didn't know the two boys were in the back seat. Apparently, he and Miss Tiger had gotten into a fight, and so he drove off with the two kids, and then they ended up in the canal. So Kirk Douglas Billy was angry at the way his ex-girlfriend neglected their children, and he drove her truck to the bank of a canal left it in drive, got out, and watched as it rolled down into the water. A la Susan Smith, who rolled her car into a lake in 1994, killing her two sons. Oh, my God. So, in case you're part of my younger podcast listening group, you really don't know who the hell Susan Smith is because this crime happened in 1994 in South Carolina. Susan Smith is best known for murdering her two sons in order to carry on a relationship with a wealthy man. She claimed to have been carjacked by an African-American man on October 25th, 1994, and she claimed that the carjacker took off in her car with her boys strapped in the back seat. She later confessed that, no, no, that's not what happened. She confessed to actually driving them to a lake, getting out of the vehicle, and letting it roll into the lake, drowning the two boys. She actually watched them drown. So she was sentenced to life in prison. 
There was so much contempt for Susan Smith and racial tension because she accused a black man of carjacking her kids. Plus, her alleged motive was to get rid of her children in order to carry on a relationship with a new boyfriend, while she was married, by the way, who wasn't interested in a woman with sons. So she just got rid of them. What he claims to not have known was that the two children were asleep in the back of the truck and they drowned as the vehicle sank into the canal. Now, Billy's case caused a legal battle over tribal sovereignty when the crime fell under Florida jurisdiction because it happened a yard outside the reservation on state property. That had to literally be the longest yard for Mr. Billy. The tribe had forgiven him. They called it an accident. They shook his hand. If they had had jurisdiction, he would never be locked up. Kirk Billy admitted to his violent past he had fathered children from three different women and had always claimed to love his kids, but he abused all the women in his life. He had a violent temper, he had a short fuse, and his kids would see him beating up on these women, their mothers. Now, the tribal court had forgiven Billy for the incident that resulted in the death of his children and previously issued a court order preventing Billy from seeing three of his other children that he fathered with a former girlfriend. The woman requested an intervention from the court and they ruled in her favor. So he responded by beating the woman with a baseball bat in front of the three kids that he was forbidden to see. Now, Billy's relationship with Sheila Tiger, with whom he had the two children that were killed, began when she was 13 years old. And at the age of 15, Tiger gave birth to their first son. And she was just a child herself. She didn't even seem to accept the responsibility of being a mother. And her mom really was not a role model. In fact, Tiger grew up with friends and relatives because her mom was an alcoholic, was really never home. And so Billy constantly fought with Tiger about not being a good mom. And often those fights would escalate into violence. Now, despite her poor mothering skills, Billy and Tiger continued to have two more children together, and Tiger's lack of maturity was really reflected in her housekeeping and her mothering skills. Because her mom really never taught her anything, she'd vanish for days at a time out on an alcoholic bender. And unlike her mom, when she drove around, she had her kids in the back of the truck, which would enrage Billy, who didn't think that was very safe. So the child protective team of the tribe intervened and placed the children under the care of, get this... Tiger's alcoholic mother. What? So Billy reacted with violence. He took Tiger over to her mom's house and beat the mother, kicked her, broke her nose in three places. But the state lacked jurisdiction to prosecute. That was in 1994, and eventually, Tiger got custody of her kids back, which really pissed Billy off. And Billy did not like the way Tiger was raising the kids, and regular arguments would erupt. One time, Billy beat Tiger so severely with a broomstick that it broke into pieces. And Tiger testified that their older son, the five-year-old Kurt, would try to intervene and protect her. How sad. Now, the couple ended their relationship, but still had some casual sex here and there. Now, on the day before the drowning incident, Billy called Tiger several times asking that she bring over his sons. And Tiger instead left the children with her 15-year-old friend, Melody Osceola, while she went to visit her new boyfriend, Osceola was supposed to return to pick Tiger up later that evening, but until that time, Tiger told her just to drive around with the kids. Now, Billy spent the night drinking with his friends at a bowling alley. And after a short nap, maybe he sobered up a little bit, 
He decided to drive around to see who was hanging out after a corn dance celebration. And he spotted who he thought was Tiger driving around in her SUV and watched as she pulled into her driveway. Well, he was angry that she was being irresponsible with the kids in the car. And he parked his truck down the road and walked over to who he thought was Tiger. When Osceola got out of the truck carrying Billy's youngest son, Kirkland, Billy jumped into Tiger's SUV and drove off. He pulled it to a bank on the canal, got out and watched as it slipped into the water. Now, Osceola alerted Tiger to Billy's actions, and when Tiger was unable to locate him, she called the police, and police placed Billy in custody, questioning him about the whereabouts of the truck and his children. Billy was undaunted and said that he thought the police were using the questions about his children's whereabouts to trick him into telling them where the SUV was and refused to cooperate. Now, on videotape of the holding cell, there was a moment when Billy was told by his father that the children were indeed in the truck, and Billy reacted by covering his face and then falling to his knees and he has always claimed that he did not know before that point that the children were in the truck and after learning that he cooperated fully with police unfortunately divers found the bodies of kurt and keith floating inside the vehicle and were unable to resuscitate them Now, Kirk Billy Douglas got the same sentence he received in the first trial when jurors heard about his vicious beatings of his girlfriends, that evidence that the appellate court later ruled that they should not have been able to hear. He was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder, at both trials. So prosecutors failed at trying to get first degree murder convictions. Now the police said that they had ample evidence that Billy knew his sons were in the back seat. Now police say they had ample evidence that Billy knew his sons were in the back seat, but the SUV had tinted windows, very dark, and no interior lights. So he couldn't have seen the boys in the back and he saw Osceola getting out of the truck with their youngest son. And add to that the fact that Billy said that Tiger told him that the kids were asleep at her mother's house. Billy's father took the stand and the judge prompted him to get to the point and he said, my son drinks some beer, he plays around some, he did put that car in the canal, but he didn't know his children were in the back. What do you think? Was Billy just trying to get rid of the vehicle, which was the bone of his contention? If Tiger didn't have the vehicle, she couldn't drive around with the kids in the car while she was drunk or being irresponsible. Would he have deliberately killed his own kids? I feel that he wouldn't have done that. I don't think he was as bad as Susan Smith. Although alcohol makes you do some stupid things. Billy was sentenced to life in prison. The Miccosukee tribe fought to block the state prosecution of Billy again, calling the murder charges white man's justice. They said the drownings of Kurt and Keith Billy have been settled in Indian law, Indian to Indian. Finally, Kirk Douglas Billy was found guilty again of murdering his sons and was sentenced to life in prison on February 17, 2001. And that's where he remains. Switching gears now, slightly, staying with courtroom drama. Some wacky judges gone wild in Broward County, let me tell you. In Broward County, bad behavior by judges is so widespread that one attorney says it's a systemic problem. Since 2001, 17% of the 62 formal disciplinary cases filed against sitting judges in Florida have been in Broward County. That's according to records from the Florida Judicial Qualifications Committee. Now, those figures do not include recent arrests or reflect resignations before charges were filed. Now, Broward County is home to some wacky stuff happening in court, and Judge John Hurley, who presides over bond court in Broward County, has some hilarious interactions. Simeon Jackass. Simeon Jackass. 
Chikaz. Chikaz, sorry. Paul Ryan, you're uh, Edward Cocaine. What? <laughs> In fairness, we thought at first this might be. Well, it might not be his given it. We thought it. No, no, no. We thought it. So what's might your be last it. name? My last name is Cocaine. He's on his driver's license. Yeah. Oh, all that's holy. Yes, sir. I didn't ex recognize your twang. Ma'am, have you ever thought of doing a stand-up routine? Have you ever thought of that? <laughs> I did. Well, you, if you pay me good money, sweetheart, I'll be there. I'm really short of funds. Now, Judge Hurley need not resign. He's a fantastic judge. But among those who have resigned in Broward County, Judge Lawrence Corda. In 2007, he resigned. He was caught up in smoking marijuana in a park. That incident pales, though, in comparison to a 2001 arrest of another judge, which resulted in public intoxication charges after she was found naked from the waist down and drunk in the hallway of a resort, a hotel that was hosting the state judicial conference. <laughs> More recently, three judges have been arrested for drunk driving charges. The first arrest was Judge Cynthia Imperado in November of 2013. Police saw the erratically driven Mercedes Benz with Imperado inside weaving all over the road. She refused to take a breathalyzer test. Then on May 1st, 2014, Judge Giselle Pollock was charged with four counts of DUI and failure to use due care after she was involved in an accident with injuries. But at the time of this DUI, she was suspended from the bench for showing up drunk on the bench. Judge Pollock was 56 and had overseen the misdemeanor drug court since its inception in 2005. In May of 2014, the Florida Supreme Court suspended Pollock for bizarre courtroom conduct. It appeared by her slurred speech that she was intoxicated while on the bench. Now, the Broward public defender, Howard Finkelstein, says it's rare to see someone in this kind of rapid descent. Anyone who knows, Judge Pollock knows that she's one of the most compassionate people around. To see this happen is heartbreaking. And I must say, I myself have been sober for 12 years. So I know how hard it is. It's just that judges are held to a different standard. In fact, in 2014, Judge Lynn Rosenthal created a spectacle at the courthouse. She, she entered the courthouse parking lot at 8 a.m. and she sideswiped the parked police car there that she slammed into the gate with her BMW SUV. Lawyers were looking out the windows, gawking at what was going on in the parking lot. It was crazy. She slammed into the gate over and over again and lawyers used smartphones to snap photos of the morning spectacle. So Judge Lynn Rosenthal became the third Broward County judge in six months to be arrested on driving under the influence charges. She admitted to taking an Ambien the night before. In addition to all this, Judge Rosenthal requested that her mugshot be blocked from public view. She had the presence of mind while in the holding tank, scribbling down an argument to keep her arrest secret, writing down the statute that would support her argument that her mugshot should not be made public. Now, for the record, two of the arrested judges refused the breathalyzer test, but the test conducted on Judge Rosenthal showed she had not been drinking. Tell me one other courthouse that at any other time has had three judges pending criminal charges, a fourth disbarred by the Supreme Court, and another judge awaiting removal. I do think it points to a systemic problem in Broward County. Also, an anonymous source says a Broward County family court judge was under federal investigation on suspicion of allowing a convicted Ponzi schemer to influence a case. The disbarred judge was found to have exchanged 949 phone calls and 471 texts with the prosecutor in the death penalty case. 
As it turns out, bad behavior by judges has become distressingly common in Florida in the recent months. Another step down because a blogger exposed a sexually explicit profile the judge had posted on a gay dating website. Many judges accused of wrongdoing remain on the bench, such as a family court judge who took in a foster child who had appeared in his court only for the teenager to accuse the judge years later of molesting him. I think when a judge has the same problem that 5,000 other people have, it makes news because judges aren't supposed to have human feelings or human failings. But I do think judges should be held to a higher standard. And that wraps up Full Rigor. Make sure to check me out on Instagram, Full Rigor Podcast, and give me five stars. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. Don't miss our weekend special. Save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed plus free home delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.